0: John 12, when you find your place in your copy of the Bible, invite you to stand to read a few verses. John chapter 12. John chapter 12. The Bible says, Then Jesus, I like that. I like that, then Jesus. Six days before the Passover came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead, there they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Would you help us pray, Father? Lord, we love you because you first loved us, and Lord, we thank you for a Bible that we could read, and thank you for being able to read it openly and publicly this morning and be able to uh, read it out loud to these people, and then thank you for uh, the Spirit of God that leads us and guides us into all truth. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd help me to empty me of sin and empty me of myself Fill me with your spirit that I might speak, thus saith the Lord. Help me preach with power and of the Holy Spirit. You know the message that needs to be preached this morning. You know how it needs to be delivered. And God, you know the people that are in this room. I have one message, Lord, but you have many people in this room that need something from you. So, Lord, I ask you to do what only you could do so you get the glory for it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the word of God John chapter number 12 we enter into the home of 3 siblings. This is not the first time we've been in their home. Matter of fact, in the Gospel of John it is, but in Luke's Gospel and in Mark's Gospel or in Luke's Gospel, we enter in this home uh, another time. But uh, this is not the first time we're introduced to these siblings. We are entered into the home of Martha, Lazarus, and Mary. And these siblings obviously have a close relationship with. With the Lord Jesus in John chapter 11, verse number five, it says this that now Jesus loved uh, Martha and uh, loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now we know that Jesus loves the world and thank God Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. But there is something to be said here in John chapter 11 when he specifically gone especially specifically puts that in there that he loved Martha her sister Mary and Lazarus. So so there's a special friendship, a special relationship between Martha, Lazarus and Mary and the Lord Jesus. And most of the time and we're going to look at this today As well, most of the time, this account is used to uh, refer to a wonderful picture of the local church and I agree with that picture I agree with that type we see here that there are more there are two or three they're gathered they are gathered around the Lord Jesus Christ And, and there's a lot of things going on here that do typify the local church and we can see that and we're going to again today but in context this is a home this is a house. This is a house of course with siblings and we don't know why uh, they're just siblings. We don't know what happened to their parents. We don't know uh, all their age. We don't know anything really much about that. But there are three siblings living in this home and, and I want to preach just for a little while this morning on, on some things that ought to some things that the home and the house of God ought to have in common. Some things that our homes and the house of God ought to have in common. I believe there's some things that I'll make mention uh, quickly this morning, and that God be my helper, maybe to speak to your heart. Number one, we see in this home, the Lord Jesus is a welcome guest. He is a welcome guest. Jesus is not an intruder in the home. He is not a secondary guest in the home. He is a welcomed guest. And just by way of introduction, maybe I should ask you the question, is Jesus a welcome guest in your home at your house not just today but I mean every day of the week would the Lord Jesus be a welcomed guest would he feel comfortable in your home seeing what you see hearing what you hear doing what you do participating in the things and the activities that you participate in my friend uh, we would say here in the house of God uh, that uh, Jesus ought to be a welcome guest. We we would say that he is welcome in this place because it's his and we want to make him feel welcome and we want to do things here uh, that would make him feel welcome. But my friend, what's good for the house of God is good for your home as well. Is Jesus a welcome guest? He is in this home. Matter of fact, more than likely, this is where Jesus stays for the last week of his life. We're about to enter into that last week, what we would call the Passion Week. And uh, this is, uh, all right, actually so we are entering in there. This is six days before the Passover. He is about, uh, just later on this week, he is going to die on the cross. And we'll give you that uh, timeline here in another message later time. But, but he is entering in. And this is probably where he stays most of that week before the trial and everything happens. He's a welcome guest. Number two, Christ is the centerpiece. Of attraction. At the house of God, Jesus is supposed to be everything. We are supposed to be making much of Jesus as we do other things and we have other activities that we may do around the house of God we all would agree this morning that Jesus ought to be the centerpiece of attraction. It ought not to be the personality of the preacher it ought not to be the personality of those in the pew. It ought not to be the fellowship amongst other believers and all of that is good and all that's got its place but the centerpiece of attraction down the house of God ought to be Jesus. The Bible said then Jesus Six days before the Passover came to Bethany. And then Lazarus, which was had been, which had was, which had been dead, whom he raised from there, there, they made him. Talking about Jesus, a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. The centerpiece of attraction down at Mary and Martha in Lazarus' house was Jesus. May I ask you this morning? Is he the centerpiece of attraction in your home? I'm not asking you this morning, God. Do you have a picture of Jesus hanging on your wall? Because you don't. Uh, You may have a picture of some hippie or somebody else that looks like it, but you don't have a picture of Jesus hanging on your wall. I didn't ask you if you have Christian decor in your home. I didn't ask you if you have a a photograph that looks Christian, looks uh, uh, like a Christian would have in there. I'm not asking that. I'm asking is Jesus the centerpiece of attraction down at your home? If we was to ask, your children this morning, what's the centerpiece of attraction down at your house? What would they say? I think about when, when Jesus was confronted with the Pharisees in another time, and Jesus asked the question, "Who is Christ to you?" Or, or "What think ye of Christ?" You know, our homes tells a lot about what we think of Christ, not our churches. Not the way we live on Sunday. Not the way we act on Wednesday night. Not the way we do when the church functions are going on. But our homes in our regular everyday homes, that's that's where you're going to find out what we really think of God and what we think of Christ. I see the centerpiece of attraction. I think if he was the centerpiece of attraction, he would be the filter where everything where everything is filtered through. What we watch would be filtered through him. What we listen to would be filtered through him. What we do would be filtered through him. I don't know about you, but when we have a guest in our home, there are some things we do when there is nobody but us there. But there are some things, if there are guests in our home, we're going to ask them, would you mind? Uh, or do you like this? Or do you like that? Or, or would you like to do this? Or would you like to do that? And if Jesus is the centerpiece of attraction in our home, then he is going to be the filter which, for which everything runs through in our home. Is that true? And listen, this is for the home, whether you got children at home, whether you are, uh, are older and you, you're, you're an empty nester, or whether you are all alone at home, or, or whether you are all by yourself. Listen, your private life is Jesus, the centerpiece of attraction. He was there at their home. Number three, I'm hurrying real quickly. The word of God is loved and obeyed. Down at the house of God, that's supposed to be what we are, right? We are supposed to raise up the word of God. We are supposed to have church in the way the Word of God te- teaches us to have church. We are supposed to operate the church the way the Word of God tells us to operate the church. We are supposed to make much of the Bible, much of the Word of God. The preaching must come from the Word of God. We don't need somebody to read an article out of a newspaper and tell their opinion about that. Here, at the preaching and the teaching must be from the Word of God. Listen, Sunday school teachers, we don't need you uh, to read some history lesson out of a bi- biograph or a bi- biography or something like that we need the word of God we need to obey the word of God we need to love the word of God and that's what's supposed to happen down in the house of God hey that's supposed to happen down in our home do we love the word of God at home is it even part of our home oh I don't mean a decoration y'all I don't mean having a family Bible on the coffee table. I don't mean having a Bible in the dash of your car to make you look like a Christian. I don't mean having Bibles laying around and again, having Bible verses on the wall. I mean, is it loved and obeyed? Listen, the word of God was in their home and they loved him. They obeyed him. How's the word of God in your home this morning? How's the Word of God in your personal life? Do you read the Word of God? Listen, you all read stuff. We are in a generation of people read. They don't hardly read books, but they read stuff all the time. Reading and and scrolling and doing other things like that. But yet how little time do we spend in the Word of God? The Word of God is loved and obeyed. I'm getting somewhere. Just hold on. Number four. Common tasks are done for the Lord. Common tasks are done for the Lord. The Bible says that Martha served. We're going to talk more about that in just a moment. She served the supper. And you know what she saw? She saw that her common task. they probably ate supper every day. I would imagine. They ate supper, I'm sure, every day. And it was a common thing to eat supper. Right? Praise the Lord. I don't know what dinner is, but I know what supper is. Hallelujah. I thought rich people ate dinner. Met Brother Sammy, and he said dinner was lunchtime. I said, and I told him, I said, I thought rich people ate dinner. I thought lunchtime was lunchtime. And supper was supper time. And breakfast was breakfast time. And dinner was what them fancy people did. And so you can do what you want to do with it. The Bible says supper. I like Bible words. Amen. I like Bible words. Supper. And so, they, common thing to eat supper. Common thing for Martha to be cooking supper. Watch this. She was doing it for the Lord. I'm going to get there in just a moment. But she saw those common menial tasks as something she was doing for the Lord. Lazarus probably sat at the table all the time. Satting at the table was a common thing, but he sat there for the Lord. The common things, we'll get there in just a moment, common tasks are done for the Lord in your home. Do you see the common tasks that you have at home as as something that is burdensome, something that is cumbersome, something that is weary? Or do you see it as some way that you are serving God? Lord. I'm doing this for the Lord. I'm just going to go ahead and get ahead of myself. Martha, we find Martha and she is serving in the work. I'm just going to go ahead and say this. Martha, the first time we meet Martha, she's serving that time too. And she is working, but she's not just working. That first time we meet Martha, she's complaining about working. Right? Y'all remember the first time we met her? First time we met Martha in her home, it's found in Mark's gospel, chapter number 10. And we find Martha and she's serving and she's probably serving supper that day too. And the Bible says she is complaining because other people are not helping her serve. Not only is she complaining the first time we met her, she's comparing herself with others while she's serving. Look what I am doing. Look at what she is not doing. Lazarus is sitting over there doing nothing. Mary is sitting over there and doing nothing. They live here too. This is their house too. And I'm over here serving. And she's complaining and she's comparing what she's doing with what somebody else is doing. And then number three, the first time we meet Martha, she's complaining, she's comparing, but she's cumbered about. Is what the Bible says. Cumbered about with much serving is what the Bible says. That word cumbered about means burdened. It was heavy on her. It was a drag. Well, I guess it's got to be done. I guess if if it's going to get done, I'm going to be the one to have to do it. And she did what she did. And she did it. And as far as we know, she did it right. Well, she didn't have the right spirit the first time we met her. But some things have transpired since the first time we met her. See, the first time we met her, she was complaining. She was comparing. She was cumbered about. But in between the first time we met her and now something's happened. She had seen the power of God. Amen. John chapter 11, we preached that a couple weeks ago. And she saw the power of God get her brother out of the grave. You know what I believe? I think something changed in Martha's heart that day. Not only the power of God, she heard the preaching of God's word. In that house that day, the first day we met her, remember she's complaining about Mary? And Jesus told her, Mary has chosen the good part. Now watch this, Jesus didn't tell her to stop working. Tell Mar- he did not tell Martha to stop serving. Here's what she heard the preaching. She saw the power and something changed in her life. Her perspective changed. Here's what she saw. She's not complaining in in John 12, is she? I don't find her comparing herself to Mary in John 12. I don't find her in John 12 cumbered about much with serving in John 12. Here's what I believe Martha. Martha has had a perspective change. Here's what she says. I'm doing this for the Lord. I've got a gift of service. I've got a gift of ministry. God is allowing me to serve him in this capacity. And I'm not complaining and I'm not comparing and I'm not coming to bow. This time she realized her gift was in serving ministry. And she was expressing her love for the Lord by doing the common task. All of us have common tasks we have to do. And our attitude changes everything whether it be down here at the house of God or down there at the house, you've got common things you've got to do. And your attitude makes a difference. Hey, aren't y'all glad we walked in this morning and the lights were on and the heat was on? knocking off that chill from walking on the outside. But watch this, somebody had to do that. And I'll say this, it'll make a difference when you flip the light switch and say, praise God, I turned the light on for Jesus. And praise God, I turned the heat on for Jesus. And praise God, we unlocked the door up for Jesus. Sunday school teacher, you labor in your lesson and you prayed about your lesson and people showed up or people didn't show up. And you say, praise God, I got to study about Jesus praise God I prepared a lesson for Jesus hey you do stuff here at the church and you say nobody notices what I'm doing hey this afternoon you're going to cook something to bring to the fellowship meal and if your attitude will be well if your attitude will be well nobody will like it i probably have to bring home most of it anyway if your attitude will be like that hey it'll ruin your day but if your attitude will say hey I'm doing it for Jesus I'm doing this common task for the Lord it may seem little and nobody will brag on my meal nobody's going to Ask me to fix this on the next time, uh, but I'm going to do it for Jesus anyhow. Hey, watch this. That same mentality would help you down the house uh, when you're washing those clothes, uh, when you're washing those dishes, uh, when you're ironing, uh, when you're cleaning, uh, when you're doing the work, sir, uh, down the job, uh, when you have to mow the yard, uh, and you're having to uh, fix that thing that's been broke uh, uh, again and again and again, when you're raising them babies for the Lord, and when you realize these common tasks, I'm doing them for the Lord. uh, It'll change everything. And realize Martha was just expressing her love through her gift. I'm preaching on spiritual gifts on Wednesday nights. And it overflows right here. We see Martha and her gift of ministry. Martha wasn't worried about what everybody else was doing. She wasn't worried about what everybody else wasn't doing. I'm going to tell you the the detriment down the house and down the house of God is worrying about what everybody else is doing and what they ain't doing. Are you listening now? I'm going to tell you what will hurt a church you looking around saying, well, they ain't doing, they ain't doing, they ain't doing. They ain't doing, they ain't doing, that." And watch this. As long as you look at everybody else, you ain't doing. Hello, Tokyo. If you're watching everybody else, you must not be doing. That's a, Watching everybody else is called a spectator. Amen. Yeah, and hey, listen, you need to get in your lane and serve God where you're supposed to. Be. But watch this. It don't just hurt down the house of God. It hurts down the house. Hello now. It hurts your marriage. Comparing what you're doing, what the other one's doing. Complaining about what you're doing versus what the other one is doing. It'll hurt your marriage not realizing these common tasks. They've got to be done. And I'm going to do them for the Lord because I love him. She's not worried about what everybody was doing or what they were not doing. Watch unless she could be a help to them. Unless she could help them in their service. Help them do what they are doing. Here's what she... Martha was doing what she could do, and that was serve. Can I just say this this morning? Everybody can serve in some capacity. There's something for you to do. Everybody can serve in some capacity, but you know what? There are some people that just have the gift of serving. They just have the gift of serving. We learned about it in Romans chapter 12 a couple weeks ago. It's is the gift of ministry. Some people will call that the gift of helps. These people have this gift and they find joy in serving and helping others. And it doesn't matter if it's behind the scenes where nobody knows what's going on or who's doing it. They just want to serve the Lord by helping others. You know what? The church needs some folks just to serve. You know what? Your house, your home needs some folks just to serve. Now all of us can serve in some capacity. And I just say, you walk by a piece of trash on the ground... You could serve by picking it up. Amen. Everybody can do that, can't we? I mean, I'm just wondering if we can because sometimes we walk past it and we don't pick it up. Amen. Hey, everybody can see a trash can overflowing and pull the bag out and put it up. And if you say, well, I don't know where it goes, ask somebody. Hello, Tokyo. Now, I'm I'm just meddling a little bit, okay? Everybody can help some way. Watch this. Down at the house of God. Hey, down at the house. Hello? Walk by seeing something needing to be done? Why don't you just do it for a second? Instead of complaining about it. Martha saw her gift was serving and so she was serving in the work. And so we see that common tasks are done for the Lord. Number five, friends of the Lord were always welcome. The Bible says then six days before the Passover came to, Jesus came to Bethany and he, he came there and it says uh that Lazarus in verse 2, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. I imagine the 12 disciples were, were Jesus. At least, I don't know if everybody else were. We know Judas was there because he pops off at the mouth. We won't deal with that today. Jesus, is a he, he's not a worker or a worshiper or a witness. He's a worrier. Amen. We know ultimately he's a thief, but we're not dealing with him today. The other disciples are there. And watch this. They welcome the friends of the Lord. They welcome brothers and sisters in Christ. They welcome people that love the Lord. They are welcome. Watch this. They are welcoming to the people of the Lord. They want to have fellowship with people who love the Lord. They want to fellowship with those who love the same person they love. They've got something in common. Doesn't that make fellowship much sweeter when you have something in common? With the person you're fellowshipping with? You know, we get together for common things a lot of times, don't we? Outside. I'm talking about outside of church. You go to a birthday party and what brings everybody together is the person's birthday we're celebrating. Right? You may go to a watch party for a sporting event or go to a sporting event to, uh, to watch somebody play. And what brought you all together was the commonality of who you were watching. And watches, And if you're, not, if you're not on the same team, it makes it weird. Like bringing up nothing, but it's it's kind of funny. The only time Brother Richard Brewer ever gave me the silent treatment was when we went and watched Georgia-Tennessee together at y'all's house. I brought we brought the wings and the pizza and the win. Amen. man, and he wouldn't even tell me bye. I hugged his neck and he wouldn't hug me back, cause Tennessee lost. It made it weird, not for him. And he was in church fine on Sunday, but it was, right? We weren't on the same team. Watch this. They were on the same team. They wanted to fellowship. I don't know if they had anything else in common, but they had the Lord in common. You know, that's, that's true at the house of God. We don't have to all be the same, and thank God for that. I've told you all the stories before. It was me trying to fit in into my home church because all them guys was coon hunters. I thought, well, all right, well, if that's what y'all do, then, yeah, I don't really know what that means, but all right, I'll go. And I realized real quick, this is the stupidest thing I ever heard of in my life. And if any of y'all do that, I don't mean to be offensive. You enjoy what you enjoy. I ain't going with you, okay? Don't invite me. I'm not going ever again, ever. There are other, I mean, even if we had to eat coon, I mean, somebody will kill one and and get it to me, okay? Okay. I just ain't doing it. But I thought to fit in with that crowd, I'm going to go coon hunting. I thought to fit in with that crowd, I was going to have to change all this stuff. And I realized, you know what? We ain't got to get along about that. And I told them last time I went, next time, when y'all get done with all this crazy stuff, call me and I'll meet y'all at Waffle House. I'll be glad to fellowship at the awful waffle, but I ain't fellowshipping in the woods chasing those stupid dogs over a coon dumb. Now, if you do that, I'm not being offensive. You've got your things that give you joy, but I think it's crazy, but I'm sure there's something in my life you'd say the same about. We all got to be the same. We all have to be robots, but there is a commonality when we come down here that we love Jesus, that we are in love with Him, and that's what makes us fellowship together. And that means the folks that love Jesus, they're welcome. They're, they, they, there's a camaraderie there of those that love the Lord, at the house of God, but at the house too. Those that love the Lord ought to be welcome. Number six, troubles are taken to the Lord for him to resolve. In Mark's gospel, or Luke's gospel, I said Mark earlier, Mark 10, it's Luke 10. When Martha was complaining and was comparing and cumbered and all that stuff, you notice she didn't go to Mary about it. She didn't go to Lazarus about it. What, what, what she, she didn't go to the disciples about it. You know who she went to? The Lord. I'm, and There are times, Matthew 18 is very clear about there are times when we must go to someone. We've got an ought with one another. Somebody has an with us. There's times there. But I'm telling you where the first place you ought to go before you ever go to somebody is to the Lord. When you've got problems down the house of God, the first, first place you ought to go is to the Lord. And the second place you ought to go is to the person you've got a problem with. And the place you're never supposed to go is to anybody else. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, I'm telling you, friend, there are times where trouble comes up in the house of God, and if we would just go to the Lord and ask him what the issue was, I promise you he'll solve it. And you know how he solved it with Martha, don't you? He says, hey, you do what you do. Let her do what she does. Hey, she's doing a good thing. There's been times in my life I had a problem with somebody, and I went to the Lord and said, Lord, I got a problem. I don't like what they're doing. Oh, Lord. Look, what I, I've, I've been like Martha. Look at me. I'm doing everything they're not. And God says, chill out, bro. Hush. Mind your business. Stay in your lane. Hey, hey, you do you. Let them do them. And that's, what she, that's how he corrected that. Now, there's other times where there's been other methods and other things that, that has happened. But I'm telling you, you go to the Lord, he can fix it. Hey, watch this. In the home, same thing goes. I'm sure, I'm sure y'all's marriages are perfect. I'm sure that y'all don't ever have any disagreements or arguments. So I know this ain't for nobody here. But some of you young people write this down for one day. You might accidentally have an argument in your home. But I know we got perfect marriages here at the White Grace Baptist Church. So I know this ain't for nobody here. But if you do, I promise you taking it to the Lord's a whole lot better than taking it to anybody else. Yeah, man. I'm telling you, there's been times in my life where I, I and me and my wife as well, and I'll say this, with my, with your marriage, with your children, with your grown children, there have been times in my life where there have been an issue, and I've, I've sought the Lord, and I mean, I'm telling you, the way it happens, the way it gets fixed, it's amazing. But I tell you, every time I try to handle it my own self, it messes up. There have been times that my wife has had issues with me and she goes to the Lord and she asks the Lord and then when it gets fixed we get to the end of that thing and we get to talk about it and say, you know, I was praying about that. But when we try to handle ourselves, you usually, usually cause more trouble. I promise you talking to somebody else is going to cause more trouble. Yeah, man. I never, and I, anyway, I don't get that. troubles are taken to the Lord let him resolve. Number six. And number seven, Christ is offered our very best. Talking about what should be true at home, what's true at the house of God ought to be true at home. I don't know about y'all, but I believe God deserves our best. You hear me? I think the house of God and the property of God ought to be took care of. Amen. I believe it ought to be nice. I think we ought not just do stuff halfway. Amen. And listen, I think it ought to be done the right way. I think things are supposed to be fixed and things are to be not and all that kind of stuff. But it goes farther beyond just the looks of it. I think the way we have service ought to be proper, decent, and in order. I think the way we operate ministries and programs ought to be decently in order and do things the right way do in God, offering God our best. If that's true at the house of God, it ought to be true at home. Our best. Sad reality is we are most of the time giving God our leftovers. You know why some people, it's amazing to me, it, 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 it baffles me. I understand this with my mind. I don't understand this with my life. And so that's been hard for me to really be compassionate about this. So, I, but, but you know why people drag into Sunday church? It's amazing to me. This is what bothers me. I don't guess nobody that works a first shift job gets to clock in at 10 o'clock. Right? I don't guess. I mean, you may have a job, you get to clock in at 10 o'clock. Most people, if you work first shift, you're going in a lot earlier than 10 o'clock in the morning. I mean, Brother Ryan's a banker. He's got banker and He has to be there before 10 o'clock, you know, because bankers have it so easy and everything. Right? But Joe owns his own business. You've got to go in before 10 o'clock. Right? Sunday, the appointment is, At 10 o'clock, it's so hard to get to. You say, oh, wait a minute, Richard, you started at 945, oh, my bad. (laughs) 945, I'm sure. That makes such a difference. Watch this now. But you know why that is most of the time? We stayed up too late on Saturday. And we didn't prepare on Saturday. And we're giving God our leftovers. Now, I'm 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 not hollering at nobody. I'm just saying. We give him our leftover time, We give him our leftover talents. We give him our leftover money. We give just leftover. It's all a bunch of leftovers we're just giving to the Lord. Listen to me. If it's right for the house of God, it's right for the house. We ought to give him our best. The Lord deserves our best. I thought about this in my own personal life. When is my best? When is my best time of the day? I ought to give it to the Lord. When is my, what is my best talents I ought to give them to the Lord? I mean, it's all the, this personally gone. What think ye of Christ? Well, our homes tells what we think of Christ. Our personal life tells what we think of Christ. I see this in what should be true in the house of God ought to be true in the home. I've mentioned in the house, in, the house, in, in this story, we got Martha, she's serving in the work Expressing her love. Number two, and just real quickly here. I see the second character in the story in the home is Lazarus. He's sitting around the word. He's sitting around the word. Last time we met Lazarus, he's dead. Well, he had been dead. He'd been dead for four days. He's wrapped in grave clothes. <coughs> he's buried. He's decaying. But then Jesus showed up. And Jesus showed up and called him out of the tomb. And here he is alive sitting at a table. I believe he was dead. He was doomed. He was decaying. But the word of the Lord changed everything. You better believe he was talking about it at the table that day he was witnessing and Lazarus what it felt like to be dead I don't know what he said but he talked about how dead he was how doomed he was how decayed he was and all of a sudden the word of the Lord all I heard was I heard somebody calling my name and I got up he was a witness for the Lord he's telling what the word of the Lord done for him I just believe this Lazarus was telling them what the word of the Lord could do for them he was a witness for the word He's sitting around the Word. He's witnessing for the Word. And I thought about this. Everybody has a story to tell. Every one of you, if you're saved, you've got a story to tell. But there's some that are gifted with being able to articulate the Word of God. There are some people that are gifted to take the Word of God, explain the Word of God, make sense of the Word of God, and give application to it. There's just some people gifted like that. And these people read the Word of God, and they understand it in a way to be able to teach others. You know what Lazarus was doing at that table that day? He was expressing his love for the Lord. Oh, there's Martha serving in the work. You know what she's doing? She's expressing her love for the Lord. Well, there's Lazarus sitting around the table. What's he doing? He's expressing his love for the Lord. Yeah. And then there's Mary. The Bible says in verse three, then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. And there's Mary. I personally believe that. I personally believe that Mary had been helping Martha that day. I don't know for sure, but. I, Personally. But, but I do know this, the first time we met Mary, the first time we met her, in Luke chapter 10, she's sitting at the feet of Jesus, just sitting there listening, listening to him teach, listening to him talk. The next time we see her, she's rejoicing at the fact that Jesus got her brother up out of the grave. I personally believe she was there in John 12. I personally believe she was helping Martha with the meal. She was helping with other tasks, I, I don't believe she was being lazy at all, but I, I just I, I just use my imagination maybe. This is Will Allenology, I guess. I just got to believe. And she started thinking about everything she'd heard the Lord say. And then she got to thinking about the, what the Lord had done for her and her family She got to thinking about all that he meant to her. And she got to thinking about what Jesus, who Jesus really was and how much he loved her and how much she loved him. And she could not contain herself any longer. And she goes and grabs that box and she grabbed that expensive box of ointment, that perfume that uh, the Bible said that spitener, And that was very expensive. I believe this, when she grabbed that ointment, she was saying this, I do not value the things of this world. Any longer, and she took that all of spitener very costly. The Bible, Judas later says they could have sold it for three hundred pence. Three hundred pence was a year's wages. A year's wages for a common man. If we talk about the average salary, average yearly salary of a person, uh, that's what this this how expensive this was. And this is what Mary was saying. I don't value the things of this world any longer. And then she bowed herself humble herself, humbled herself in humble submission. She poured that ointment on his feet and then she didn't grab a towel but she grabbed her hair. And you know what 1 Corinthians 11 says about the hair of a lady? Uh, is her glory. You know what he was saying? He was saying that I or she was saying I don't value the things of this world. And when she took that hair she said I have nothing to glory in except the Lord Jesus Christ. And she takes that uh, hair and takes that all and she wipes the feet of the Lord and there we find her worshiping the Lord. You know what she's doing? She's expressing her love for the Lord. You know what Martha was doing working? Expressing her love for the Lord. You know what Lazarus was doing witnessing? Expressing his love for the Lord. You know what Mary's doing worshiping? Expressing her love for the Lord. You know what? It takes all three. You know what we need down in the house of God? We need some folks working. Now everybody's got a part in the work, but everybody there's some people, they just, need, they, they just got a gift for it. You know what we need? We need some witnesses. We need some folks to take that word and to witness that word and to teach the word of God and to preach the word of God and explain the word of God, give the sense of the word of God. We need it around here. You know what we need? We need some folks to worship the Lord. And you know what? When you're working, serving the Lord... Everybody else is helped because you're serving. You know what? When you're witnessing and giving out the Word of God, everybody else is helped because they're getting from the Word of God. But you know what the Bible says when she started worshiping him? She started Look at the last thing it says in verse number 3. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. <laughs> it affected everybody in the house when Mary started worshiping the Lord. Everybody Was affecting. I say this when we worship the Lord. When we worship Him, it affects everybody. It attracts that there's an odor. There's an odor, and that don't mean a negative odor. That is a beautiful smell. There's a fragrance that fills the room when we worship the Lord. And I say all of us have something to worship Him about this morning. Now watch this. Mary could have got mad at Martha. She could have got mad at Lazarus and. Lazarus could have got mad at Martha and Mary both and he's teaching a lesson. Why aren't they sitting down and listening? Martha could have got mad at Lazarus and Mary like she did last time. But not this time. This time we see a harmonious relationship. We see harmony in the home and harmony in the house of God when the workers are working, the witnesses are witnessing, and the worshipers are worshiping they all had different gifts they all had different abilities we've been talking about that on Wednesday nights and I will and just put a plug here on Wednesday nights if you're not able to be here go back and listen to these messages you, you need to figure out what your spiritual gift is you'll have an aimless purposeless life not discovering your spiritual gift and how to use it for the glory of God if you can be here on Wednesday night I encourage you to be here just a couple more weeks and we'll be done with that series but, but they had different gifts they had different administrations and different operations of that gift. They had different abilities, and watch this: when they were not complaining or comparing, but cooperating in their gift, there was harmony in the home. There's some things true down in the house of God that ought to be true down in the house. Jesus ought to be a welcome guest. Jesus ought to be the centerpiece of attraction. The Word of God ought to be loved and obeyed. Common tasks ought to be done for the Lord. Friends of the Lord ought to be welcome. Troubles ought to be taken to the Lord for Him to resolve. Christ ought to be offered our very best. I asked the question earlier that Jesus asked the Pharisees, What think ye of Christ? What think ye of Christ? Last Sunday morning we preached on these. That crowd, those people in John 11, some believed on him. Some betrayed him. And some thought they would just be indifferent. We're going to find out by the end of this chapter, that indifferent crowd, they're so wishy-washy. At the end of this chapter, they're going to cry out, Hosanna. The next chapter, they're going to say, crucify him. What are you going to do with it? What think ye of Christ? Let me ask you this. How does your home answer that question? How does your home answer the question, what do you think of Christ? I remember being a teenager and seeing a skit at a Bible study. And the skit was a a lady, I think, in her home, in her apartment or whatever. And she says at the beginning of the day, Lord, would you be with me throughout my day? Go with me wherever I go. She says Amen. And in that skit, there was a knock at the door and there was a man representing Jesus. And when he walked in the door, she got real nervous. She started going through her ma- magazines and realizing there's something she needed to hide. She asked the Lord if he wanted to watch TV and she couldn't find nothing on TV that the Lord would approve of and she got on her, com- and I'm in high school, so cell- smartphones were not a thing, but got on the computer and internet and couldn't pull up. Nothing that would be, play- I'm not saying there ain't nothing on them thing, I'm just saying this, her normal everyday life would not have been pleasing to the Lord. What, where, what she would do normally, where she would go normally, things that she would put in her eye gate and her ear gate normally would not have been pleasing to Christ the reality and the message of the skit was this, that if you're a Christian, he's with you wherever you go. He hears everything you hear. He does what he is, he is. He sees what you see. And so how does your home, how does your private life, how does it answer the question, what think ye of Christ? And parents, us parents that have children at home still, if they were to ask about our home, what does your home think of Christ? How would they answer? By the way we lead our homes, how would they answer? We see a picture of the church, but we see, we see a picture of the home here in John 12. Some things that's true down the house of God ought to be true at home. What think ye of Christ this morning? Is there anything in your personal life that would be displeasing to the Lord? Have good news if there is. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You don't have to leave. With unconfessed sin, you don't have to leave with that thing that may be unpleasing to the Lord in your life. Whether you come to this altar, you bow at your pew, you bow your heart and head and say, Oh, Lord, search me, oh God. Find if there be any wicked way in me. Anything in my private life that would not be pleasing to you. Anything in my home that wouldn't be pleasing to you. Is Jesus the centerpiece of attraction in your life? Is he a welcome guest in your home? You're working for him. You're witnessing for him. You're worshiping him.